turn back to praise and when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glorious name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glorious name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glory bless your name tonight, Lord. Father, we thank you for what you are to each and everyone on an individual level, but also what you are as a unit, God, to this family. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house, God. Just have your way in this service, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
as we have worshipped you in song, as we have opened our hearts and just sang praise unto you because, God, you are worthy. You alone have made us what we are. You've made us your children. You've, you've caused us to walk in places with you because you walk with us. You indwell us with your Holy Spirit and you guide and direct us. And Father, we have no uh, uh, other desire but just to offer praise and honor and glory because you are faithful, you are just, you are righteous, uh, you are good every day of our lives, Lord. And we will sing of the goodness of God. Lord, we will be, as the, the, the writer of the psalm said, your praise, Father, will continually be in my mouth. And I will let those around me know how good the God I serve is, how great and wonderful he is, how much he loves, how much he cares, how much he can take care of situations that are beyond my control and beyond our control as humans today. Father, we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise and the worship tonight for you are worthy. You have made all things. You have created all things. And by you and for your pleasure, they were created. And Lord, we just offer that praise to you tonight and just rest in who you are in us and for us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you do in our hearts and lives. Lord, we just praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lest, Lord, you're worthy. Amen. Thank you, Sister Julie and Brother Dennis. Each time I appreciate what you guys do. Um, I'm going to brag on them a little bit. Now, I don't know if you all know it or not, but they, 
they're always here a little earlier for everybody else. And they're practicing trying to uh, get get it as good as they can. And I think we we are blessed, blessed, blessed. Thank you, Sister Julie, Brother Dennis, both of you. I was teasing him about his sunglasses, and I said, well, we're in the presence of greatness. And he said, yes, you are. <laughs> and I said, yes, he is, because I can't play piano like that no way, no how. And, you know, I'm, I, I appreciate his, his musical talents. I really do. And we, we appreciate the Lord blessing us with uh, a great team of not only these two, but our other musicians as well. We're, we're just blessed. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer one more time. I want to take needs and prayer requests before you. Uh, I don't know how many of you are on the, uh, the text thing, uh, but there are a couple of new requests uh, that, excuse me, we want to mention tonight. Um, some of these uh, you might know, they're not familiar to me, but that's okay. The Lord knows who they are. Uh, Lori Franks is in ICU. Uh, and my wife says there's you know, a lot of people know these people. And so uh, just remember, Lori, in your prayers uh, that God will under, intervene, that he will heal, that he will deliver. Uh, and and uh, that she'll be able to not only get out of ICU, but to get out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be, that's, the ICU is one thing, but, you know, I, hospitals are not one place I really care to, to spend a lot of time. <laughs> as a patient or even as a visitor, they, they can wear you yeah. <laughs> Yes, Sister Linda. Oh, okay. So she's on a ventilator, and so they're doing dialysis every four hours. Is that right? 24 hours a day. Oh, 24 hours a day. I'm sorry, Miss Linda. So she does need our prayers. Uh, yeah, so then that makes it even harder. So let's remember, Lori, in our prayers. Also, uh, Sister Linda Cox has a neighbor. Uh, her neighbor's sister, Janelle, is also in ICU. And so let's remember Janelle, Janelle or Janelle. All right, she, she is better today. Can the Lord just continue the good work? Amen. Let's pray that that happens as well. My bet you'd have a need you'd like to mention tonight. We can pray with you about Sister Kathy. Remember Kathy's neighbor Roy uh, in our prayers. I saw another hand. I thought, yes, no, <laughs> yes, just Lisa. This is your granddaughter. What's her, what's her first name? Okay. Sorry. Remember Alice in our prayers. 
you know, I agree with Sister Lisa, 14 years old, this is awfully young to have to be dealing with migraines. I'm thankful I've never had them, but I know people that have, and they can be very debilitating. So I just pray that the doctors can pinpoint what the problem is and fix it. But in the meantime, that God fixes the problem and gives her some relief in, in, yeah. in her mind, in her head, in her heart, and her body. That's, that's got to be, that's, I, I don't know how to even start to imagine how bad that is. It, it never does sound good. The word migraine does not sound pleasant at all anyway. So just remember Allison as well tonight. Anyone else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I don't want to ask you to stand this time, but let's just ask God to touch in these hearts and lives tonight. Father God, as we come to you, Lord, we come before your throne because that you are God and that you are a very ever-present help in a time of need, in a time of trouble. Father God, we just thank you that you are a God who heals. You are a God who delivers. You are a God who sets the captive free. And Lord, sometimes we just think about that people being held in, in bondage by by addictions or, or other things like that. But Lord, there's sicknesses that hold people in bondage tonight. And Lord, you are a God who sets people free. And we're asking you, Lord, to touch in all of these requests, Lord, that are on our, our prayer list tonight. And for these that we've heard tonight, Father, we pray for Lori Franks. Lord, we're asking you right now to reach down your hand of healing on her. Lord God, we know what the doctors are doing is the best they can do. But Father, you are the healer. Jesus, you are the great physician. And we're asking you, Lord, to touch Lori right now and heal her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord God. And that you will minister her, Lord, that she'll be begin to recover, be able to get out of the ICU, Lord, and continue to recover to the place that she can go home, Lord, and get out of that hospital, Lord. We thank you for the doctors and the nurses and all that work to help these people get better. But Lord, you are still our healer tonight. And we claim that by the stripes of Jesus Lori is healed and she is made whole. Lord for sister Linda Cox's neighbor's sister Janelle Lord also in ICU touch her and heal her. We thank you Lord that she's getting better. Ask you Lord to continue to touch, continue to move in her heart and in her life Lord God ask you Lord just to continue to lift her up so that she too Lord will be healed and be able to get out of the hospital. Lord we pray for Allison tonight Lord God that you know how this child has suffered and Father God, we know that you are concerned about that, that Lord, this is a, a it, it's a bondage, Lord, uh, of the body, Lord, that, that causes such pain and such difficulty to live. But Father God, right now, Lord, whatever is causing this problem, Lord, whatever is causing these migraines, Lord, we ask you to touch the very core, the very cause of them, Lord God, and heal her right now in the name of Jesus and minister in her heart, in her life. Lord, as she goes to the doctor, Lord, later this week. I pray, Father, that you will give them divine wisdom, Lord, to be able to pinpoint and be able to help, Lord, this girl find the relief that she needs, Lord, not only in her mind her spirit, but in her body as well, and be able to function, Lord, as a 14-year-old ought to be able to function. Lord, heal her and make her whole, while God, and begin that right now, Father, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for these things, for we believe they are done in Jesus name that you are faithful and true to your promise Lord God to heal and, and to deliver and to Lord set captives free and we thank you for it Father in advance in Jesus name 
Amen and amen. Okay, let's, Sister Shanista just called in or, or texted. Anyway, she has had a stroke and is at the hospital, so let's, let's take Sister Shanista before the Lord as well. Father, we bring before you our Sister Shanista Gillum tonight, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you will just touch her, Lord God, right now. In Lord and in her family, Lord, I know that's probably coming. Keep them safe, Lord, as they're coming to see her and to be with her. But Father God, right now, we ask for divine healing. We ask for a divine intervention, Lord, in Sister Shanista's life tonight, Lord God, that you touch her and heal her tonight, Lord God, that you minister to her spirit, soul, and body, uh, Lord, because she knows, Lord, that she has not only you, but she has a church that's praying for her and that's calling her name out before you, Lord God. And you have declared in your word that where two or three shall agree is touching any one thing, that it shall be done. And Father, tonight we claim healing for her, Lord, spirit, soul, and body tonight. And Lord God, that you will minister and show yourself mighty in her behalf tonight, God, we pray. We thank you, Lord, for hearing us. We thank you, Lord, for ministering. We thank you, Father God, because right now she is being healed and she is being made whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, technology sometimes is aggravating, but sometimes it's a really good thing. <laughs> and, and it's good. Church, it's good to be able to know that we can get a hold of somebody and they can pass the word along and we can begin to pray and see God intervene in hearts and lives. So we just, we just believe in God for good reports. Amen. He's still God. He hasn't given up on us and, and we're not going to give up on him. Amen. In your Bibles tonight, we want to look for a few minutes very familiar portion of scripture I want to go to the book of Judges um, Cherry asked me what my title was and I said well, let me think of it but we're going to look at uh, in the book of Judges at Gideon as I was thinking about this the Lord says go back and look at Gideon for a little bit and okay uh, and, and I find some interesting things about him uh, that I think will, and hopefully, not a, that what we can learn from Gideon, we can put in our in, into a, into application in our own lives. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we look at these stories. Oh, that's a wonderful story. Oh, that's great. You know, but all of these are examples for us of how sometimes how not to follow God or, or to follow our own ways. And sometimes how to follow God. And the thing that I see about Gideon that I want us to look at tonight is his willingness to follow what God does for him. If my Bible will cooperate, I'll be good. Judges chapter 6. Uh, and I'm just going to give you a little background to this. We'll probably start... Um, in verse 11, but uh, the Bible tells us in the first parts of chapter 6 of Judges that Israel was doing evil in the sight of God. It's kind of like sometimes we say, well, imagine that. But how many times do we 
ourselves find ourselves being at least tempted to do things we know God's not pleased with. It takes and it requires a constant vigil in our lives to walk before God, to listen to his spirit as he speaks to us. But they had done evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord had given them over to the hands of the Midianites for seven years. Uh, I don't know if all of you know the story or not, but real quickly, uh, about to talk about harvest time, they would plant their crops, they'd get them ready. About harvest time, here'd come the, the, the Midianites and all of their friends and they'd raid the country and steal everything they had worth stealing, worth eating. They were suffering. They were in, in, they were in dire straits. Um, but the Bible, when that very first verse gives us the inclination of why they were in the situation that they were in, they did things that they knew God had told them not to do. The Bible declares that for he that knows, the, for the one that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. When we know to do good, when we know to do right, and we don't do that, then we find ourselves outside of God's blessing. We find ourselves outside of God's protection. And the Israelites find themselves in this place. God has said, listen, here's why you're where you're at. Here's what's happening. And it's not pleasant. It's not good. God does not take pleasure in the fact that they were being robbed every harvest season. Didn't give him any pleasure, but you realize that God declared, had told them, Joshua told them, Moses had told them, if you will obey God, if you will follow him, if you will trust him, he will bless you. But if you don't, I am going to allow your enemies to come in and cause you some heartache and some headaches. God had warned them. It's not like they didn't know. It's not like they weren't aware of what would, would take place. But it, it's amazing to me at times they're going, why in the world are we in this situation? Uh, and that's where the, the, the people of Israel find themselves. They cried out to the Lord uh, in verses 7 uh, through 10. And they said, you know, well, what's going on here? And the Lord sent them a prophet. And he said, look, here's what the problem is. You're disobeying God, and so now God's allowed this to happen to you. Uh, God has led you out of Egypt. He brought you to the, out front of the house of slavery. He delivered you, and he said, you, he said, here's the point. He said, I have said to you, I'm your Lord, your God. You'll fear, fear the gods of the Amorites whose lands you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now we come to verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. Terebinth is a tree. Which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, I don't know that much about wine presses, but I figure it's kind of a vat thing. And so, you know, Joe Ash's dad's sitting out there watching him. And while uh, Gideon's down in the wine press, beating out the wheat so they can have some flour, so they can have some bread, something to feed themselves. And hopefully the Midianites don't have spies out there looking and seeing. And they're trying to hide, you know, what they're doing so they can, so they can survive. 
There's nothing wrong with the survival mode. There's nothing wrong with that. God give us that instinct to do that. But it says, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was, if I were Gideon, I'd be going, is there somebody else here in the thing with me? Because he sure ain't talking to me. He knew he was hiding. He knew what he was doing. He was trying to, to help his dad and feed his family. And yet, notice that the angel of the Lord says to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Doesn't sound like Gideon, does it? If I had a title, and my title as I wrote for uh, Sister Sherry tonight was Gideon, Unlikely Hero. But Gideon was not alone. You stop and think about this. His story is not much different than everybody else's in Israel. So why did God choose him? Why does God approach Gideon and the first words out of God's mouth, out of the angel of the Lord's mouth is, Hail you mighty man of valor. You know, he didn't look like a mighty man of valor. He didn't look like anybody great. He did not look like a Samson or, or uh, let me rephrase that, like some big he-man. You know, some big warrior that's ready to go out and fight a battle. He didn't look like that. How many times does God call people things before it ever appears? What did he do with Abram? He came to Abram. Abraham obeyed him. Abraham left the land of his father. He left the Ur of the Chaldees. He went to where God showed him. And the time came when God talked with Abraham and said, your name is no longer Abram, but Abraham, the father of many. At a time when Abraham and Sarah were childless, when God the angel visited them, Comes up to Abraham. Abraham's out there taking care of the season coming. Invites the angels in and, and, and wines them and dines them. And I don't mean that disrespect, but that's what you did. You offered the wine. You offered all of the, the stuff you could to have them to have a meal. And God makes a statement to Abraham. Tomorrow, the next year, about this time, you'll have a son. Abraham's 100 years old nearly. His wife's not far behind him. The Bible plainly declares that she was past the age of childbearing. We bring out all that for God. She already knew that. And God makes a promise to a man and a woman that should not be able to have children. And he calls his name Abraham. And he starts with one son, Isaac. Gideon's the same way. He's in the wine press. It's, it's in a place where he can kind of hide. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. 
Now maybe he didn't hear or maybe he didn't understand when those people went and asked and God sent the prophets to say, look, you disobeyed God. That's why you're in the mess you're in. I've done this before, but how many of us sometimes have said, hey, God, I can handle this one here. This is not a really big problem. I handle this. And after we finally bury ourselves up to our neck, uh, Lord, I couldn't handle this one. Can you please come help? And he does. That's the kind of God he is. But the thing about it is he might not have heard, but the thing about it was they were in a condition that God had told them not to get into. And he makes this, he said, well, if God's, if God's with us, why is all of this going on? May I very gently, very lovingly tell you, does it make kind of sound like a situation we're in? God, why? God, why? Why is this taking so long? If you're here, if you are God, and He is, church, do not misunderstand this. He is still God. He hasn't changed. He hasn't diminished. He hasn't lost any of His power. But we might be asking ourselves, God, why? If God's with us, why is all of this going on? Mary and Martha were asking Jesus the same question. Lord, if you'd only been here, we sent you word he was sick. Jesus got the word. The Bible tells us. They came and told him. Jesus said, okay, I understand. Lazarus is very, very sick. I'm sure they told him he's about to die. And the Bible says, yet Jesus tarried. Finally, he says, let's go see Lazarus. He sleeps. And they said, oh, that's good. If he's sleeping, Lord, we don't really need to go bother him. And he's going, okay, he's dead. You know, sometimes you wonder about Jesus. He's, he's long-suffering, that's for sure. But he went, but there's something that Jesus says, and I don't remember exactly who he said it to. I think he said it to his disciples. He said, he is dead, and I'm glad for your sake he is, for you are about to see the glory of God. It was never too late. When they got there, you remember real quickly the story. Mary and Mary and, and, and Martha are mourning the loss of their brother. Jesus shows up and they run out to him. Lord, if you'd only been here, he, you know, he would have he would not have died. And eventually through the whole story, Jesus says, Where is he? Take me where he's Lord, no, 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 no. He's been dead for four days. By now he's stinking. Decomposition is set in. The smell is terrible. But what did Jesus say? Take me, in essence, he said, take me to where he is. Told them, roll the stone away. And they're going, no, 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 please. They didn't want to be embarrassed. And Jesus praised his prayer. And after they have rolled that stone away, Jesus simply says, Lazarus, come forth. You can say what you want to. I think Lazarus hopped out because he was bound. That's the only way he, I'm sorry, that's the only way he could get out. He could, they had him all wrapped up. He was buried. It's like asking us at my job. 
uh, we got to unearth one of them. We've had to do it. You know, it's not that it's not that bad. But they never did come back to life. Thankfully. But Gideon, God has said something. God has done something, and he's called this to Gideon. And Gideon's kind of thinking, Lord, why? What, what, what are you talking about? But the Lord, in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in, the, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Notice his response he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Unlikely. Seems like I remember that about another young man. That was the least in his father's house. But he was God's choice. His name was David. Gideon was God's choice. When you look at this verse of Scripture, notice that the angel came to Gideon. Gideon was not on his knees. He was not praying and calling out to God. He was threshing wheat in the wine press so the family could have something to eat. God came to him. God told Samuel, you go to Jesse's house. You call his sons, and one of his sons you're going to anoint to be the next king of Israel. Saul has transgressed. Saul has disobeyed. Saul has fallen from God's grace. And God's spirit has departed from him. Didn't wouldn't matter to David. David would not take his life. God would have to move Saul out of the way. But trust me, church, God can move the Sauls in our life out of the way. They went through all of Jesse's sons, and God said, nope, 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 nope. Good-looking, fine, young, handsome men, strong, virile young men. And yet God said, nope, nope, not that one. Went through all of them, but the last one. Samuel said, Jesse, don't you, do you have any more kids? Well, yeah, there's David out in the field taking care of the sheep, but he's just a kid. And Samuel said, I will not sit down to eat until you call that boy in here. Now, I'm paraphrasing, you understand. But when Samuel saw David, God said, anoint him. And the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man who would trust God. You go back and read all about David and, and how he was, yes, he made his mistake, but you know what? He was still a man after God's own heart. When he realized when he was confronted with his sin, he went to God and repented to God and said, Lord, I've sinned against you. Gideon's going, wait a minute, we're the smallest bunch around here and I'm the least in my father's house. Why me? But notice what the angel says to him. But I, in verse 16, 
But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now Gideon goes to, to prepare. Uh, he says, okay. And, and I like Gideon's, if you read um, chapter 6, 7, 8, and I think it ends in 9. Um, you read about Gideon. Actually, it goes yeah to verse uh, chapter nine, I think. But Gideon brings an offering. The angel of the Lord, he says, "Wait here, I've got to go get something." He goes and gets an offering. He brings that offering back. The angel tells him, "Put the." He brought unleavened bread. He boiled a goat in 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 broth and brought the broth. And he brought the goat, he brought the meat, he brought the unleavened bread, he brought the broth. And the angel tells him, put this meat offering and this unleavened bread, put it on this rock, and then pour the broth over the top of it. Sound like another wet story somewhere? Israel's in drought. And Elisha says, we're going to test the prophets of Baal. Let's go to Mount Carmel. They cry all day, cut themselves, hurt themselves, scream and act like a bunch of idiots. Evening sacrifice, the altar's made. If the wood's laid up there, the bull is sacrificed and put on the altar. And then they soak that thing with several gallons of water. Remember, church, this was a drought. I don't know where the water came from. It had been three and a half years since it rained. But what happened? God answered by fire. Elisha prayed a prayer. God answered by fire. But the Bible says that he put that on there on that rock, and the Bible said the angel touched it with his staff, and fire came out of that rock and devoured the sacrifice. Gideon understood from that point on that it was God. He makes a statement in verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Gideon makes an altar and calls it Jehovah Shalom. Because God had given him peace. Read the rest of the story. But one of the things that stands out about Gideon, from that time on... After this meeting with the angel of the Lord, whenever God speaks to Gideon, he does what God tells him to do. The first thing God tells him to do is, I want you to get up, take your father's second bull, because dad had been mad probably if he got the first one. But he said, take your second bull and you go off, build an altar, but you tear down your dad's altar to Baal, you tear down the Asherah pole, which were idol worship things, an altar to Baal, the Asherah pole, were idols that they were worshiping. And he said, you tear them down. He took the wood of the Asherah pole, Asherah, I think that's how you pronounce it. But he took that wood, and that's the wood he used to put underneath the, the bull that he had slaughtered to sacrifice it with. His dad didn't get on to him. People in town going, what in the world are you doing? You have made, look at, you You took that down to Baal. Get your son out here, we're going to get him. He said, you tell you, his father said, I tell you what, 
If Baal is all offended by tearing down one of his altars, get tore down, let him come take care of it himself if he's a God. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about us, church. It doesn't matter whether they like us. It does not matter whether or not they approve of everything that we do. But if God himself is approved, has approved of us, and God himself is on our side, and God himself is pleased with the lives that we live, it does not matter what man says. God's word is final. And the day will come when they will look on those that they've ridiculed, that they've mocked. Oh, you stupid Christians, well, you don't know what you're doing. And they'll look one day, and hopefully they'll wake up before eternity arrives. But if they don't, they will spend eternity realizing that those stupid Christians had it right all along. Because God will honor, God will vindicate them. He goes on to do that, and eventually, you know the story, when the Midianite army became in camp, and Gideon gathers a bunch of men. I believe he started out with 22,000. God said, that's too many. He, I don't remember the next number, but he whittled that number down to 300 men. Because the battle wasn't Gideon's. It was God's. We know that story. We've heard the story of Gideon. And they began, they ran and they circled the camp and they shouted and the Midianites got so scared they all killed each other. And the ones that didn't kill each other ran off. He, he winds up going and chases them, kills them, kills, finally catches and kills their kings. There's a couple of cities he went through on the process that asked, he asked for provisions for his soldiers because they were faint and they were hungry and they said, no. He said, when I get back, you fix and get a whooping. You go back and read it. He said, I'm going to go get the briars and the thorns out of the wilderness, and I'm going to give you guys a whooping with them. And he did. When Gideon was through, and when God was through with Gideon's mission, there was peace in the land. But the final thing about Gideon that I want you to understand, in Judges chapter 8, In verse 23, 22 actually, Gideon has succeeded in what God called him to do. Stop and think about this for a minute. God said, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. You go in the might and the strength you've got, but you're going to defeat the armies of Midian. Do you realize, just stop and think about it, that's all God told him he was going to do. Midian took a real, he, he, he got that in his head. And here's how we know he got, had that in his head. In verse 22 of chapter 8, the Bible says, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you, for the Lord will rule over you. You see, Gideon could have taken what God had given him 
And they had put that request. They came to Gideon. Gideon didn't go to them asking for a job. They came to him. But Gideon had completed the task that God put before him. God said, you will defeat the armies of Midian. That's all you're going to do. And Gideon did not let his success, he realized who, who, God, who had given him the success because there's no way in the world you could feed. They destroyed, if I remember right, like 122,000 of the Midianite army. And they chased the rest of them down and killed most of them. By the time it was all done, the Bible says, there makes a statement that the Midian never rose to power again after that. When God got a job done through Gideon, he wanted done, God did it completely. But they asked Gideon, be our ruler. He simply said, no. God didn't call him to be a ruler. Church, what am I, what, what's the point? What, what's the one of the few things I get out of this? First of all, Gideon believed God. When he made sure that it wasn't something he was thinking on his own, when he made sure that it wasn't something that he was coming out of his head, that it was actually God speaking to him, Gideon obeyed God. Gideon was successful. Gideon accomplished what God told him and instructed him to accomplish in the way that God told him to do it. You go fight a battle, you go fight a huge over 120,000 man army with 300 men and all they got are ram's horns and pictures of, uh, of, with candles in them or torches in them. Yeah, all right, we're going to really win battle with 300 men with torches and, and ram's horns. If God said that's the way to fight the battle, then church, that's the way to fight the battle. It doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to make, I can't, don't have to rationalize it or logicalize it. I hope I said that word right. So many people, it's not logical. They're, they're like Mr. Spock. It's not logical. God doesn't have to be logical. He's God. But Gideon refused the offer because he knew, this is my opinion, but I believe he refused the offer because he knew he had done what God said do, and that's all God said do. What's the, what's the message for us? What's the lesson for us? Obey God. Do what he tells you to. And unless he gives you instructions to do otherwise when the job's done, you're done. Don't try to be everything everybody else wants you to be. Do not try to do something that somebody else tries to talk you into and if God hasn't given you the release in your spirit to do that, you won't succeed. The only reason Gideon succeeded was because, first of all, he believed God. How do we know that? He's in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The faith chapter. Trust God. Obey God. When the job is done, sit down and shut up. And I don't mean that disrespectfully Gideon or anybody else. But see, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get 
trapped into thinking, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. If God hasn't asked you or told you to do it, leave it alone. If he asked somebody else to do it, now there are times his brother Dave told us when he was here about laying hands on the guy in front of him that was uh, shaking and he, he, he refused to and you know just kind of kept arguing God and finally God said, okay, so I'll send somebody else to do it. Let me tell you something. If we do not obey God and God sends somebody else to do the job he asks you to do, they get the blessing and you don't. Brother Meyer made a very very good statement when he said I promised God I would never ever disobey him again and that's the whole point that's that's got to be our life church that's what makes us a church doing what God has called us to do knowing what the job is knowing the way God said do it doesn't always make sense doesn't have to make sense but know that when God says it and we obey it it'll work I heard it put this way I can remember say it right. God's calling with God's provision will produce the work God wants done. If God told you to do it, God will give you what you need to do it with. If it's an army of fighting an army of 150,000 or however many was in that army, we know it's 122 or more than that. So it's a big army. But if God tells you to take on an army with you and 300 men with nothing but a lamp in a pitcher and a ram's horn in the other hand, that's the provision. doesn't matter. God can get water out of a rock. God can get obedience out of us if we will obey him he will provide what's needed let's be a Gideon Lord what do you want me to do Lord how do you want me to do it and when that's done then we go to the next thing if that's what he wants us to do Gideon I, I, I admire Gideon one of the sad parts about that whole scenario the Bible says that when Gideon didn't they went somebody else but it didn't take them long they went right back to the same nonsense God had just delivered them out of they returned back to worshiping other gods they didn't and they didn't even remember Gideon it's kind of like oh he's you know he didn't he didn't accept our accolades we'll just throw him off and cast him as unneeded church the world the world needs us may not realize it but they need us but God is not looking for superstars God is looking for people of faith and people of obedience that's all he's looking for Would you bow your heads with me tonight father thank you for your word thank you Lord for the example of Gideon a man that once he was sure that it was you that he was talking to who realized that he had been in the presence of the Almighty. He'd been in the presence of something far more supernatural than he was. He figured he would die, but you told him he wouldn't. Father, he trusted you. He obeyed you. And he didn't do more than you told him to do. Father, I thank you for the help us, Lord, in our lives as Christians. 
It may not seem significant, Father, what we do, but if we follow you and do what you tell us to and follow your instructions, Lord, it doesn't have to be significant in our eyes because all you're looking for is somebody of faith and somebody of obedience. Help us, Lord, to be that person. For those that might be watching tonight by way of uh, Facebook or the Internet sometime later, Gideon is a man that believed God. God's Word says, if you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose again on the third day for the sins of mankind, and he says, if you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If that's you, you need to know this Jesus. It's, that, it's this same God that Gideon knew that sent Jesus to die for you, to make a way for you to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. And it'll be the best life you will ever live. Not only then, but now. It'll have trials. It will have tribulations. I won't lie to you. There'll be difficulties. But the thing about it is, if Jesus is saving Lord of your life, He has promised to I never leave you or forsake you. All you have to do is make Him Savior. And Lord, I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Take what the mess I've made of. Take, take the, 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 the low self-esteem. Take those things that, that where I don't think for so well of myself. Lord, just take that and then come into my life and make me that new creation that you make in everybody that makes Jesus Savior and Lord of their life and help me to grow and develop and be in the child of God that you want me to be person of faith, a person of obedience. Father God, I pray tonight, there is, if there's one, Lord, if there's any, Lord, to hear this message, help them, Lord, to receive. Help them, Lord, to accept that and call upon your name, knowing that if they ask you to come into their heart and life, that you will do it. You will change them. You're not asking them to change. You're not asking them to get all cleaned up and get all nice and, and dignified. They're, Lord God, you're asking us just to come to you as we are. And you will change us starting on the inside. And it will work its way out. Father, I thank you, Lord, in advance for those that hear that call, that answer that call of the you calling them to make turn their life over to you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for those that are doing that. And I ask you to guide and direct them in that freedom from you, from the Spirit that will allow them to make Jesus save me, Lord, of your life. I thank you that it's being done right now in Jesus' name. If you do that, get a hold of uh, a good Christian people, a good Christian church. Let them know the decision you've made and begin to follow him day by day by hours necessary that you will grow, you will develop, you will be the kind of Christian like Gideon was with God. He believed God, he obeyed God. That's all God asks. Father, I pray for this church now. I thank you, Lord, that you're still going. And I thank you, Father God, that you are in charge of our hearts and minds. Thank you, Father, that you walk with us that you guide us and direct us by your Spirit. I thank you, Father God, that you're watching over us, protecting us and keeping us, Lord, because you are our God. You are our Father, and you care for us deeply. Probably, Father, greater than we can even understand or comprehend, but you love us that much. 
that you take care of us and watch over us. Father God, go with each one, each family is represented here tonight. Go with them, bless them. Lord, and help us to be like you, people of faith and people of obedience, that we will bring honor and glory and praise to your name that you so rightfully and richly deserve. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, Amen. Lord, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here tonight. Lord bless you. Go be safely. Yes, Miss Lee.